often, Black women are a mere afterthought in conversations around wellness, but not in this space. On this podcast, the dialogue is always centered around women like you. Welcome to the podcast, but more importantly, welcome to the tribe. Be well, sis. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Be Well Sis podcast. I am your host, Cassandra Dunbar. How you doing, sis? We really in the final stretch of 2020, and I am so, so grateful. I'm grateful for many things, and high on my list is you. You know, after much thought and going back and forth in my head, um, I finally created this podcast in February, right before shit hit the fan in March, and life took a drastic turn. And this podcast, being able to connect with the brilliant women who I've interviewed, as well as with you who have reached out to me, has been a blessing that I just never saw coming. And I can't thank you enough for how you've poured into me. I swear, I'm becoming so much more emotional as I get older, and I don't like that. I used to be a G, and now look at me. Anyway, let me stop. But seriously, thank you for being the highlight of my year. So I'm constantly coming across new information that I find to be useful to the people in my life. So I decided to incorporate those things into a new segment called On My Radar. Here, I'll share wellness-related people, places, and things that have piqued my interest and might be worthy of your attention. So uh, for this week, On My Radar is an app called Wolomi. Wolomi is the only digital community that offers support to women of color to improve maternal health outcomes. It was founded by a registered nurse and maternal health expert focused on guiding and supporting aspiring moms and moms-to-be to enjoy their pregnancy journey. I downloaded the app and I wish I had this when I was trying to conceive and pregnant. One of the first posts that, I, that caught my eye was titled, The Woman of Color's Guide to Owning Your Pregnancy. And as I scroll down now, I'm looking at the app. Um, There's another one titled Wolomi's Guide to Breastfeeding, like a G. Um, There's one, they even have a preconception checklist along with discussions in the community sections. Some of them are led by the community members and others are led by experts, such as a dermatologist. I'm seeing one by a midwife, another one by a black OB, a pediatrician, and even a doula. This is just so, so dope. And if you are trying to conceive or are pregnant or even have young children, this is an incredible resource that's tailored just for us. It's free and it's available on both iOS and Android operating systems. So I will link that in the show notes below. You know, side note, I realize that I'm not always good at linking things, but I promise I'm committed to doing better by y'all. So if I say I'm going to link something, it'll be there. I I promise. I'm working on it. (laughs) So another thing that is on my radar is a skincare brand, excuse me, called Audacity. So they shouted me out back in June during all the BLM um, activity happening. And they sent me a package of goodies tailored towards my skin type which for reference is oily combination sensitive and acne prone girl it's a lot happening (laughs) um and they recently sent me another package and wow the things in this package are now my my staples um to start if you don't have a gua sha skincare tool please stop playing and go get one um, I've been seeing a lot of them all over the place for the past year. I just thought they were like another gimmick, so I really didn't look into it. 
However, Audacity sent me one and baby, I beg you to get one. So I'm looking on their website now and they describe the Gua Sha as a um, as this. So they say the Gua Sha facial massage is an ancient beauty ritual known for its ability to breathe new life into the skin. Used for centuries in traditional Chinese medicine, this effective treatment will smooth away the appearance of wrinkles and help to visibly firm the facial contours while awakening skin's natural glow. So in the package that they sent, they have detailed instructions on how to use the Gua Sha tool, and I used that to give myself a facial massage. So one of my love languages is physical touch, and I decided to start using my own love language on myself. And to do so, I've incorporated this tool in my skincare routine. So I pair it with one of my favorite serums that happens to be by Audacity. <laughs> and I use the directions that they provided to give myself a facial routine. So I found that it helps to um, drain the lymphatics. So that helps with removing some of the puffiness, especially as I've been having so much more sodium these past few days. And not only does it feel good, but I promise you, my skin has never been so radiant. I even tried it on my husband to see how he would feel. And listen, he even said that his, he felt that his skin looked better. I mean, wow. So yes, so I'm also going to link that down in the show notes for you to take a look as well. So that wraps up this week's On My Radar. So now let's get into the episode. Today's episode features... Isosa, who's also known as the Raw Girl. So Isosa is a dynamic certified nutritional specialist, behavioral coach, and published author with 10 years of experience inspiring others to live their best, healthiest lives. In 2018, Isosa received her Master of Science in Nutrition and Integrative Health after 10 years of informal study, writing, and coaching. She's the author of The Acne-Free Diet and Got Veg, How to Thrive on a Plant-Based Diet. She's also created her signature online program called Staying Ageless 30 Plus, which has a comprehensive curriculum designed to help women 30 plus achieve optimum health and stay youthful using diet and lifestyle changes. She's been featured in Glamour, Elle, Ebony, Black Enterprise, and much, much more. In speaking to her, I realized that our behaviors around food all boil down to mindfulness. So this past year, there's been a lot of talk about mindfulness. For me, I've just started noticing the word mindfulness being thrown everywhere. So what exactly is mindfulness? Mindfulness means maintaining a moment-by-moment awareness of our thoughts, feelings, bodily sensations, and surrounding environment through a gentle, nurturing lens. I think when we talk about our eating habits, especially around this time of year, there's a lot of negative self-loathing and self-judgment for being indulgent. And that's just not what we're about to do. Instead, like Isosa mentions, let's dig deep and find why we've cultivated certain habits and thought process surrounding food in our diets. So without further ado, let's jump right into this incredible conversation. So thank you so much for joining. I am so, so glad you're here. Be well, sis. What was your journey to veganism? Um, 
Sure. Yeah. So I'm not, uh, I'm not a nutritionist only for vegans. I'm a mm-hmm. certified nutrition specialist, but I personally am vegan. I've been vegan for over 20 years. Um, and I became vegan when I was 13 years old. Um, I kind of gave up, I was lactose intolerant, or I had already given up milk. Thank God, because I see people now with conditions all the time that come from lactose intolerance where they ignored it. Um, so I was lactose intolerant, so I had already given up milk. And then one day I was just like, I'm going to get rid of meat. And I'm, Um, I never really looked back from then. And then later on in life, I did have some health crises and whatever, but I started to realize that that decision that I made very early on was so integral in protecting me from getting so many health issues that I see other, my, some of my clients have, um, because it, um, yeah, my life could have gone down a whole other road if I had not done that because it actually is really, really great for my particular body type. And and I always focus on helping my clients find the diet that's best for them. At this point, I've seen thousands of clients. Like when I first started as a nutritionist, I worked in an obesity clinic and I had like over 300 patients a month. Um, and all ages, all races, all kinds of diseases, all kinds of diets. And so for me, I can deal with any kind of diet. I see everything from HIV to fibroids to lung cancer to I just want to lose weight. Um, mm-hmm. All of those things are things that I deal with on a daily basis. Wow. And you know what I love about you so far is that you speak to the client wherever they are. Um, I feel like vegans can get a bad rap because um, the louder ones are the ones who are really preaching that everybody be vegan. I love that you just, wherever you're at, whatever your goals are, like you'll work with the person where they're at. I think that's beautiful. Well, it's also about understanding, if you actually know anything about nutrition and if you've seen a lot of clients, you realize that one person's perfect food is usually another person's poison. Now, when it comes Mm -hmm. to plant-based foods, we all need plant-based foods, but there's really only like one blood type that doesn't really work super well with vegan. And that's type O. Like if you meet type O's and you ask them if they've ever gone vegan, they'll tell you about the sob story of, you know, the couple months (laughs) and how weak they felt and how horrible they their how their lives felt like it was going to be over. You know what I mean? It was this whole (laughs) dramatic thing, but pretty much everyone else doesn't exactly have an excuse, but I'm very, I'm very, um, once at, from working in the obesity clinic, I got very fascinated with figuring out, especially for women, the exact diet and exercise that is right for that person. Because when you dial in on that, then you can hit people's health goals. You know, you can help them get the body they want. You can help them recover, especially if they're um, out of balance. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. um, plant-based diets have power and they should be used um, often for a lot of different conditions. There's so many conditions that could actually benefit from going vegan, even if it's not going for, you know, forever. Um, and black people in particular shouldn't even be drinking dairy. 75% of black yeah. people are lactose intolerant. And I see women with fibroids all day and they love to drink milk when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there's, cer- there's certain things, you know, that apply, but at the end of the day, for me, it's about the individual person. I have to take into consideration you know, their health history, their genetics, their background, their cultural background, all those things matter when you think about a diet. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if somebody's going to actually commit to it. Yeah, those things definitely matter. And going back to the milk, milk is just the devil. Like It's just <laughs> dairy is so part of like, you know, 
American <laughs> culture, but it's just so not good for you. Like it just yeah. causes inflammation and it tastes good. Yes. Like ice cream is, is bae, but like you said, most of us shouldn't be having it because it doesn't serve us. Like we just are not tolerant. We like, we can't process it properly. It just makes us inflamed and all that stuff. You mentioned, um, fibroids what's the connection between fibroids and dairy oh my goodness well here's the thing fibroids is a condition that is primarily uh the the main issue there is estrogen dominance right so your your estrogen levels are higher relative to the other hormones or some of the other hormones are lower and the estrogen still higher basically there's just more estrogen you know going on with that person. And what happens um, to a lot of the black female clients that I have is that they are lactose intolerant, but they kept mainlining dairy, which is full of chock full of hormones. Okay. Mm -hmm. Chock full of hormones or just like, you know, processed meats, like if they're going to McDonald's and all this stuff like that. But dairy in particular is concentrated amounts of hormones and it's, it's addictive and it's really hard to get rid of because the, the, the amount of hormones in it is actually designed to draw a nursing calf back to its mother. It's, it's that strong. It's like drug strong. And so yeah. when you continuously mainline something that has these hormones in it that you are already not, that your body already uh, you know considers inflammatory, then you end up with fibroids over time or you end up with cysts in your breasts or you end up with other growths because these hormones are basically telling your telling parts of your tissue to grow. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Just the same way that a nursing calf would take the milk in order to grow into a cow, you are consuming the milk of another animal and it's telling your body tissues to grow. But instead, in your body, it's going to come up as an abnormal tumor, cyst, or something like that. You see? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the um, fibroids in our community is just so prevalent. Mm -hmm. So many women have them. Um, it's like common, like, yeah, I got fibroids. Yeah, you too. Yeah. Like it's super common and it really shouldn't be. Um, right. And at this point, there's so many different alternatives to dairy that you don't have to have milk, you know, like there are really good alternatives out there these days. Amazing alternatives. Mm-hmm. So I feel like with this pandemic and what's happening in the world, one, like the silver lining in all of this, it has been that I think a lot of us are being more mindful of what we put into our bodies. Mm. Would you agree? Well, yeah, what, what's happened during the pandemic is a lot of people are having a come to Jesus moment where they're like, wait a minute, <laughs> my health is a hot mess. Perhaps I should get it together now. And you know, my clients too. I'm like, I know where you are. I know where you live and I know you ain't going nowhere. So let's get this party started. Like this is, you know, why wait until there is a global pandemic? We don't know what else is coming next. And really your immunity is the sum total of all of your lifestyle choices. You have to be, the only way you can become resilient is to make really great choices day after day, after day, after day. It's not just like a oh, a temporary, let me do this diet and now I'm going to get my immunity right kind of thing. You see what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I think what it has been is, is a wake-up call like, hey, I can't just keep going down this slippery slope of eating whatever and not taking care of myself, making work my idol, making yeah. other things my idol. You know what I'm saying? I think it's yeah. a big wake-up call for people. So Yeah. 
And, and to your point, we had to like sit down somewhere too. Like there's nowhere to go, nowhere to hide. Exactly. So you're like, you're just, it's you and yourself. And you're just like, you know what? Like I, I could do better, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. And I think especially in speaking about like immunity and everything, we're all trying to like, you know, be protected and, and safe from the COVID. Um we are now realizing and maybe looking into our gut as a, a source of our immunity. I don't think we realized, well, before this, we a lot as the majority, I don't think we realized how much our gut health is important to our overall health, especially our immune system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted to touch on, I see that you wrote a book called The Acne-Free Diet. Let's talk about that because your girl's breaking out. So this is just a... <laughs> on a personal tidbit. Um, (laughs) So how does your diet play into your overall, like your, your beauty, the outwardness? Um, I mean, the diet is, is a hundred percent going to determine what you look like on the outside. Like some people may get away with it for a while where they don't, nothing happens to them, but then they will wake up with some other diagnosis one day. You can't just mainline, crappy food, low quality things, and expect that nothing will happen to your body. Even if you can't visibly see it all the time, it'll eventually catch up with you. And usually it catches up with people in their thirties, mid thirties, you know what I mean? Around that time, Mm -hmm. it's like, oops, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) perhaps I should have got that together. But, um, the, the, the acne free diet came out of my own personal health crisis. I had like really bad acne at a certain point. And kind of went down this rabbit hole. Now I call myself the acne ninja. Like people come to me with the acne and they leave without it. That's the way it goes. Like, I don't like it. I don't like it in my clients. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to have to, you're going to have to sit down somewhere because we about to get rid of this acne. Okay. Um, so I had, what was going on is I was a sugar addict. I was a processed food vegan person at one point, which, you know, that happens. There are very unhealthy vegans out there. And, um, eating a lot of sugar, tired all the time, kind of had chronic fatigue. And I had all these trying to, my skin was horrible. And I was actually at that time booking things like Essence Magazine and different things. And I was so embarrassed to go to these shoots and have all this acne, right? So mm-hmm. I um, had all the like, you know, proactive and all the different like, you know, acne potions. And I remember one day I just was like, this is not working and this seems like the wrong approach. And I just went in the bathroom and had a straight up movie moment where I was like tossing everything wildly into the trash can. <laughs> like, oh, just forget this proactive. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just ridiculous. Um, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to handle this from the inside out, you know? And I signed up for a raw food class with this black couple in Harlem and I started to learn about raw foods. I became a raw foodist within a month. My skin was completely clear. Even the even the marks that were on my skin were gone. Wow. And I did a lot of juicing. I did, I mean, I did I made rejuvelac, which is this like fermented, uh, fermented wheat berry drink. I was doing all kinds of stuff, but I was only eating raw fruits and vegetables. And that was kind of the start of my healing. But Um, now I know so much more about why that was happening to me. And also I know so much more about the different reasons why someone can have acne. There's so many different reasons. There's hormonal reasons. There's, uh, you could have parasites or candida that could cause acne. You could have leaky gut issues that could cause acne. Um, and you could just have a really horrible diet full of rancid oils, processed oils, 
dairy, things that are just, you know what I mean? That are, are inflaming you in that way. So you have to get to the root cause of the acne in order to solve the acne problem. And so Mm -hmm. when I first wrote the acne free diet, it was just more about my journey and things to eliminate. And, um, when I went back and sort of brushed up on it, and I think if I were to write it again, I would come at it from the perspective of getting, helping people understand the root cause of it. Because you really do have to get to the place where it's like, oh, mine's hormonal. You see? Mm-hmm. And once you know it's hormonal, there's a very specific thing you can do, and it will get rid of it in a moment. So it's, 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 it's important to be like, you know, go deal with someone who knows what they're doing um, and then figure out why you have the acne in the first place. Don't go to a dermatologist because all they're going to do is just give you some stuff to put on your face. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to deal with the root cause, which means that whenever you stop taking that, whatever it is, um, and if it's birth control, that's going to cause you a whole host of other problems. But whatever mm-hmm. you stop taking, whatever it is, the acne is just going to come right back because you haven't dealt with the root cause, you see. Mm, it's just like putting a Band-Aid on it instead of actually like fixing. Yeah. Yes. And that's that's primarily what what's so frustrating about our medical system is this is what doctors do primarily is they put band-aids on it with medication. They do not know how to solve or heal the root cause. This is why I became a CNS because what I do is I investigate until I figure out the root cause, which is why I'm actually able to help my patients go from point A to point B, which is I have this problem. I don't have this problem. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. if you, if you go the traditional medicine route, the the tradition, uh, traditional Western medicine route, you just end up with medication on top of medication. Every single meditation you take depletes nutrients and that could cause a whole other problem, sis. So it's like, dang, Like I've just been like, no one has listened to me and I've just been, this is my patients, you know, I'm speaking on their behalf right now. Like, cause my patients are so frustrating. Most of my patients are black women. They have horrific experiences in medical, you know, in, in, mm-hmm. in, um, in doctor's offices. And a lot of times their pain is ignored, their story is yeah. ignored, they're treated horribly. And then they're sent on their merry way with traumatic, sometimes traumatic, like just, you know, words like mm-hmm. you'll never have a child. It's like, who says that to people? Like, don't say right. <laughs> that's right. like in African, it, like in my culture, that's a curse. Like, don't say that to people. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? So it's, it's really interesting. It's like the whole thing is kind of backwards and I, I, I pray that it actually changes, but until then I do what I do and I, I don't find it. I'm really glad. I'm so grateful. And, and I find it so gratifying to not be a part of that system and to be a part of really actually listening to people and helping people get well. Ooh, sugar addiction. Yeah. Sugar addiction is, uh, I didn't realize that sugar is in absolutely everything. I tried the um, Whole30 diet for a little bit, um, okay. about a year or two ago. So I had to read all my labels for the first time in, I think, forever. I had never read my labels up until then, okay. looking for things that have sugar. Sugar is in everything. Pasta sauce, what? Like, yeah. so- <laughs> How did you break your sugar addiction? Was that just you just had to go cold cold turkey, or was it like gradual? Um, I How broke that. I broke my sugar addiction using bitter foods. And if you want, I can send you the talk I did last night. It's free. It's on YouTube on bitter foods, and you can link it in your show notes. But like, yeah, the it, bitter foods. What people don't realize is the biggest problem that we have in the standard American diet is that 
we only take in certain flavors. We take in sweet, we take in salty, we take in sour. We barely take in umami or pungent unless we are eating international cuisines, right? Like, mm-hmm. so everyone just wants to feel good. Oh, I want only want a sweet. Oh, I only want a savory. Oh, I only want a salty. And then if you're eating a lot of processed foods, your taste buds are trained to have these high levels of sugar and salt, you see. And bitter is the most metabolically active flavor, meaning it actually revs up your metabolism. And in every single culture other than American culture, bitter foods are a staple. And what bitter foods do is they balance out your uh, sugar cravings and your desire for sugar. Um, They actually, there are two, the the brain, there are bitter receptors all over the body, but the brain can't be on sugar and bitter at the same time. So when you actually start to eat more bitters, you actually train your body to, to stop craving sugar and you actually become, uh, these bitter foods actually become more palatable to you, basically. And so I was living in Crown Heights at the time. I was living around a lot of Rastas and I started taking these herbal bitter concoctions that they had, um, like these liquid concoctions. I would take shots of them. They were nasty. And what happened was after a couple of weeks, like I just literally, I went from like having to put eight apples in my green juice to drinking green juice tr- straight and being like, okay with it. It was so interesting. And and I learned this well before I was a nutritionist. And so when I became a nutritionist, I was like, oh, you got a sugar addiction? No problem. Drink, you know, a glass of green tea every morning with no sugar in it or, you know, find something bitter. I just give them bitter things. And then sure enough, it changes their palate, you see. So let's talk about the behavioral coaching aspect um, of your practice. So how do you link the two or combine the two in working with your your clients? Yeah. So when I became um, a nutritionist and I had my first office and I was working in this obesity clinic and I was seeing a bunch of patients they asked me to also be the behavioral coach on staff. And I was like, uh, okay. (laughs) Uh, So basically I went and I started reading a whole bunch and then learning and and then implementing. And really what it is, a behavioral coach is someone who can help you change your behavior. And, And how I do it is I ask a lot of questions. I also really understand the psychology of habit forming and how you get someone to change an unhealthy habit to a healthy one. I also go even deeper because now I've gone to the place where I'm like, oh, wow, where I realize that certain people have subconscious beliefs that are informing their behavior in the first place. And so now I sometimes even refer my clients to a rapid transformation uh, transformation therapist who helps them change those beliefs. And then it's like smooth sailing. All of a sudden, they're like able to follow the diet plan or able to do the you know, do the exercises or whatever it is that they were trying to do before, sometimes we get in our own way and we don't even know it. And so I use really deep things to get to the crux of why are you not, you know, why are you not able to, to, uh, your behavior is not able to last long enough. You know what I mean? Because the people do this yo-yo dieting thing where they're like, oh, I'm on this today. I'm on Weight Watchers. Uh Jenny Craig. Oh, I'm on this. But when like the people who go through my staying ageless 30 plus class, like I just got a note from a woman who lost 30 pounds in the staying ageless 30 plus class, which includes behavioral coaching and the psychology of habit forming and all that. She dropped another 30 after the class. And see, that's the kind of testimonial that I like because it's like, okay, you're not even working with me anymore, 
but I changed the way you think so much that you can do it on your own now, you see. Mm -hmm. And that's what matters the most to me. I don't necessarily need people to rely on me as a crutch. I want my clients to be self-sufficient and, and really start to understand how their body works so that they can move forward and live their best life. Mm -hmm. So you provide like the tools for longevity and for lasting results. So what would you say are um, some of the limiting or subconscious beliefs that we have around food that you've seen in your clients? It's not, a, it's not actually around food, strangely enough. We can have beliefs. No, it's not about food. It's actually things like, you know, basically from the age of being a child to the age of six or seven, we're in a state of hypnosis. So whatever happens to you as a kid, you get programmed and the rest of your life, you are playing out this program. And so if you had a really traumatic childhood or something happened, it doesn't even have to be super traumatic. People said certain things to you. You can have things like, I am not enough playing around. That one will mess you up forever because you'll never be able to like, you know, or I can't, I, I can never do things right where you're just like this perfectionist. So you get so hard on yourself that you can't even like relax into your healing journey because you're constantly judging everything you do. So there's so many beliefs that actually usually have nothing to do with food that affect how we then <laughs> affect how we then like uh, implement our health and wellness uh, journey. That's powerful. Yeah. That's so, so powerful. I um was just like in the past few months, I've been trying to understand what people meant by the inner child. And um, it's pretty much what you're talking about, how we all get, you know, we have that playing in our background. And that is so powerful. And it makes me think, you know, for those of us who are parents, how important it is to be mindful of how we speak to our children. Oh, my God. So important, especially in those four early formative years, because they literally are taking in everything as truth and it becomes it can become a subconscious belief for them that's going to then shape the rest of their lives it's crazy i mean mm -hmm. it feels like a lot of pressure but yes. you know <laughs> most of us are are screwed up in some way anyway because stuff has yeah. already happened to us you know what i'm saying so um mm -hmm. i think it is important to be mindful i think if more people knew how important it was maybe maybe we'd have healthier adults Oh, for sure. For sure. And, you know, and in, in listening to you, I, I think everything goes down to being mindful, um, mindful of what we put inside of our body, mindful of what works for us and what doesn't work. And also just mindful of how we speak to one another and what we put into the earth, you know, what we put into the atmosphere. It all boils back down to that. Two questions that I like to um, close out with. Um, the first one is a book recommendation of any type. So if you could recommend a book to the audience, um, uh, about anything at all, what would it be? Child, um, <laughs> that is a really hard one. I read so much, but I read like nerdy nutrition. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I love it. I mean, I read a lot of different, I read a lot of, uh, different things, but I read a lot of nerdy nutrition related or health-related books. How about Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza? Oh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I like that. So I'll link that as well in the show notes, along with um, the books that you've written. Um, and then my last question is, um, where, 
What has brought you joy in the past day? In the past day? Um, getting a message from my client who um, doesn't have hair and was I'm working with her to grow her hair back. She doesn't have hair, but all of a sudden, because of the work we started doing, we only started two weeks ago, she's having sensations in her, hair, in, in her head. It was the oh. most miraculous, amazing thing ever. That's beautiful. Yeah, that was like, oh my God, yeah. we, we doing this. We doing this. Yeah, that's beautiful. But thank you so much for your time. I thank appreciate you. you. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Be Well Sis podcast. For more information on anything discussed in this episode, please see the show notes and or visit www.bewellsispodcast.com. Oh, and don't forget to leave a five-star rating on Apple. Until next time, be well, sis.